We're about to kick off an all-new issue of Geek in the City Radio, brought to you by the fine folks over at, where else? Geekinthecity.com. If you enjoy this show, and I think you do, the best way to help us out is just spread the word. Uh, tell everybody that you enjoy listening to Geek in the City Radio on whatever social media platform you use, as well as giving us a five-star review on sites like iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify or iHeartRadio. Those reviews go much farther than you would ever imagine in helping us climb the metrics, which uh, just gets us more listeners, which just makes us a bigger and more nerdier family for everyone to enjoy, which we're going to do right now with an all-new issue of Geek in the City Radio. Why, hello, and welcome to issue 639 of Geek in the City Radio. I'm one of your hosts, Aaron Duran. You're on mute. That's been a long time. I'm one of your other hosts, Spinarina. <laughs> I forgot that I was muted. <laughs> and I'm your other host, Cable Hashitani. What's shaking, other everybody? Host. Yes. Sorry. It, it's mean, an off Tuesday, clearly. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. Denise, in your defense... I, I don't think you've done that in a long, long time. Well, I don't typically mute myself anymore. Whatever noises I'm making, you just have to deal with it. This is Largely, true. Largely, yes. yes. That's, that's yes. true. Well, and then I panicked because I don't know if Melon uh, uses the same key functions as, uh, as Zoom or other stuff that we use. And I'm like, try, I'm like, I wanted to unmute myself with the keyboard, but then I'm like, wait, what if that doesn't work? Quick, where's my mouse? Where's the thing? Where is the button? So it was, yeah. All that happened. Yep. Not going to yep. abuse Not going to abuse the new React buttons at all on here. Nope, not at nope. all. It'll be not fine. even a little. Don't ever give me new toys to play with. Um, uh, well, let's see. Uh, chat's already started. Someone has good news and bad news. It's poor homicidal fire cow. Oh, okay. Oh, no. <laughs> well, let's talk about where we do the show today while the cow drops the bad news. So on the show today, we're <clears> going <throat> to delve into the Ms. Marvel trailer like we had wanted to last week, but we ran a little long. Um, yeah. Then uh, we'll do our recap of uh, the latest episodes of Avatar that we've watched. But uh, the bulk of the show tonight is going to be uh, going where... No one has gone before. In this particular case, it kind of this, is. With, with yeah, Discovery, no, this is season Discovery four. is yeah, yeah. This is very much where no one has gone before. So, so yeah. All right. The, the good news is, is, our flag means death is an awesome show. Okay. Yes, I think we can all agree with that. I haven't watched it yet, but uh, all signs point to yes. Yes. Well. 
Yeah, I was wor- so Taika Waititi posted this really nice Instagram post about how important the show was, or how important the show is, and for the people he makes it for. Um, and it always one of those things that reads like, uh, and even though we're not coming back, we're very proud or whatever. But that doesn't seem to be the case. I think that's just Taika doing that. I think so. Uh, oh, the bad news is about something local. Yes, and I don't feel comfortable saying it because I have heard things about the owner who likes to make things actionable. So until such things are proven, uh, yeah, that's a. I, I will. If you're reading this text on uh, the thread, I will say uh, allegedly. Um, okay. Yeah, I, I have heard rumors that the owner is very litigious, and uh, that's the last thing this show needs. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes, uh, indeed. So yeah. that that's. That's certainly something that uh, people should vet for themselves. Yes. And it wouldn't be the first time that uh, a local place was under under fire for for similar allegations that turned out not to be true, if I recall. Uh, I found out something recently. There were things about... There was a, a, a bar in Southeast Portland where all of it was true, and then it sold, so it is no longer true about the new owners of said bar. Which one? Crush. I mean, if these... Hmm? Crush. Oh. At the beginning yeah, of I... the pandemic, they fucked over every single one of their employees. The new owners, however, have gone, oh, no. Oh, nope. That's never okay. happening again. Oh, that's good. I hadn't heard the thing about the new stuff. Yep. Good, I, good. I, I, found I, this out. I only I've only <clears throat> ever been to Crush before that knowledge ever came out. And after the change of hands so well that's good yeah it's good to know uh i haven't been to crush in years so it's not, i mean but it's good to know that because that was the crush is an important spot for mm-hmm. uh for mm-hmm. the lgbtq community and whatnot yeah <clears throat> it had also been the home for uh the portland chapter of uh dr sketchy's Oh, that's, oh right. that's right. Yeah. Well, I'm glad to hear that it's getting better. It's that's getting cool. better all the time. It's anyway. <laughs> Sorry. Um, well, how's everyone's week gone so far? I know it's basically just started. I mean, how's our week gone since we saw each other last week right. at this time? How has yeah, how the, the past week been for each of us? Um, <clears throat> for me, very hectic. And I still can't go into a lot of details. But they're exciting details. They are exciting. And I actually got more really fucking exciting details uh, two hours ago. Wow, everything's coming uh, up Millhouse these days, huh? Well, I mean, nothing's guaranteed, but it's uh, it's yes. pretty fucking cool. Um, so yeah, that that's me. Um... I could tell you everything that's going on with me, but that is a short list. So, no, it's been it's been, a, it's been an uneventful week for me. So, you know what? All, all work and no play. Well, I mean, you know, Monday through Friday. I mean, these all work days, and some play. yeah, these days, I don't think you should be like you know, an uneventful week is not necessarily a bad thing these days. Um, well, yes and no, because uneventful to me means I don't necessarily have a lot to do. That makes the day go by slower. Ah, okay. Uh, versus fair. like this week, uh, 
there are many uh, circumstantial things going on, and also it's spring break, and so my hands have been pretty full, and it's only Tuesday. Oh, that's right. Spring break. Yeah. Hmm. That time. Mm-hmm. We're mm-hmm. two weeks from now, we're going to see the jump in cases. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> I, I still not. mask up, so... I'm... Yeah. Well, we talked about it really quick on the show, and we can't delve into it too much. We don't want to go crazy, but uh, Wizard of the Coast announced a new book today, mm-hmm. um, which sounds just pretty righteous, um, called uh, Journeys Through the Radiant Citadel. It's a setting and adventure book. Uh, for the first time in D&D's history, uh, the entire thing is written by brown and black people, and I believe at least 60% of the artists are people of color. Um and a lot more women involved in the book and a lot of members of the LGBTQ community. Uh, that's pretty cool, actually. That is good. Uh, came out of nowhere. Like, I started looking at it. And I was, first off, the book looks gorgeous, especially the alternate art cover. Yeah, it really does. So, man, Witchers keeps dropping stuff that, like, it used to be, I was like, oh, I don't need that book. I don't need that book. And... It's like that hasn't happened in a while now under this kind of new whoever's guiding wizards in D and D right now, they're they're hitting a sweet spot. They have found their Dave Filoni. I mean maybe. I don't know if it's it's set up that way, you know, we're like there's the one person kind of thing, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. I don't know I don't know how they're set up either. No. And uh, out of the three of us, I deal with the company more directly. And then another little bit of news that happened. It happened late. It got announced late last night. And I read about this morning has nothing to do really. Well, I guess it has to do with like nerd and pop culture. Um, Martin Yan of Yan can cook is getting the James Beard lifetime achievement award for contributions to the culinary world. And that just warms my heart because apart from my mom and abuela, he is responsible, most responsible for me, my love of cooking. I used to watch Yan Can Cook on PBS religiously. Never missed an episode. So that's just cool. That's and I great. love that he still does the same shtick. If Yan Can Cook, so can you. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of built into the, the formula, isn't it? Yeah, no. I want to like insert some sort of joke about how, you know, like musicians who get famous talking about, you know, like, like rappers who sing about like how hard it is on these streets, but then they become ultra rich and famous and have everything at their disposal. And then they're still writing the same kinds of songs. I'm like, yeah, but that's not your life anymore. And it hasn't been for decades. Yeah. But that like, that's his tagline. Like, no, no, no. I get that. But it would be like like me launching a new podcast, but like not calling it geek in the city. I don't think that's true at all. If it's a different concept, it needs a different name. Okay, that's a bad example. Anyway, that... it's, it is a bad example. Look, no, no, it's, it's, I, it's fine. It's fine. He, can, yeah. I'm, I'm not like giving him a hard time about it, but it, it is a weird tagline to still have if you've been a food-based celebrity for decades. Like, I hope you can cook by now because you've been professionally doing it for a long time. You're, you might be setting, you, you're, the bar has changed. Well, his, his thing was always, the approach was that don't believe you can't cook something. I mean, 
he was the first, I think, now it's going deeper than I intended, but like, he was like middle America's first exposure to cooking Chinese food. Like not going out and ordering it, but like cooking it. Mm. You watch his earliest episodes and he's literally like telling them that like, look, chop suey is not a thing, but I'll show you how to make what you have in the restaurants. Like it's not real. It's not a real dish, mm-hmm. but I'll show you what it is. Like I'll show you what they're making. Like dumb stuff. Like he's teaching them like one of the early episodes, he's showing them all the different noodles. And, you know, he, he uses, you know, he says like, you know, in, in, in Cantonese, these are called mian. He says, say it with me, mian. And then he says, so when you have, he's like, chow is Cantonese for stirring, like cooking. He's like, so when you have chow mian, and they're like, and like the light goes off on the crowd in like 1978 of like, oh, so, you know, that's the shit he would do. Um, I don't know. It's kind of cool. That's very precious. Uh, and motherfucker can break down a chicken in 18 seconds. It's terrifying. With, like, a Chinese cleaver. Okay. Oh, come on. That's pretty dope. I was going to be fairly impressed, but I'm like, with a cleaver, is that cheating? Because, like, that you've, like, really got some hacking power there. I don't know. I'm not. That's kind of the only knife he like... uses. You're such a hater. I'm not. I'm saying I'm not. I'm just, I'm being a semantic bitch. We didn't even have to have a conversation about this. So Yen can cook. Good for him. Great job on this award. Let's move on. Okay, fine. Miss Marvel. <laughs> what is, what is, what is Aaron? I don't get what that is. Homicidal fire. You, you could know, like, do a air? gossip show about Simon Laban. Okay, I had to read Wait, that. Wait, who's Simon uh-huh. He's he's a member of Duran Duran. Oh God, I'm just gonna leave now. I'm gonna uh... go home. Bye, bye, guys. I know who Simon LeBon is, <laughs> and boy, does that joke never get old. The only thing that lessened the Duran Duran jokes is when that fucking Key and Peel sketch came out. Aaron. Yes. Everywhere I go, you mean like, hey, hey, Ron? I'm like, yeah, just like that. It's great. Thanks. Funny. I don't know what that's like. No. I never, I never had anyone make any comments or jokes about my name ever. No. I think X-Files. everyone has at least one, right? That like they hear all the time. What's the one for Denise? Denephew. Oh, Denise? <laughs> Where's Denephew? Honestly, if you guys have I've never literally heard that before, never heard that in my life. Really? Wow. Because Because that's, that's, that's an absolute like dad joke. It's not even funny. I know oh that's why God. it's so funny. Oh, I can't believe you guys are laughing so hard. It's terrible. I think joke. it's because the way you just delivered it, you're like, damn. <laughs> it's I'm so stupid, fucking sick of it. Stupid joke. It's stupid. It really I've is. never God. heard that till today. I've been hearing it for, um, let's just go ahead and say 30, 35 years, probably. Wow. Oh, my God. Yeah, I'd be sick of that, too. Yeah. If it helps, I'll never use that one. Mm -mm. Don't. Unless you want to be on my list of, like, fucking drunkles I hate. Uh, No, I'm good. I'll take a hard pass on that one. (laughs) That that was an excellent portmanteau. I'm I'm very proud of you. Drunkles? Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't take credit for that one. That one just exists. That one's nice. I like that one too. 
That's true. Key and Peel messed up, uh, made fun of my name too. D nice. <laughs> that one's less funny. Yeah. And no All one right. ever knows how to fucking spell it. I'm like, there's only one way to spell it. How do people mess it up? Um. Yeah, they'll spell it I C E. Um. Oh, that's mm-hmm. awkward. Aaron, if you met people, they they don't know how that's to spell true. anything. I understand if someone says E R I N. If you don't understand the cultural difference, but I get A R O N A A R R A R R. Yeah, like uh, I'll also just get dentist. Either the spelling or pronunciation. Like they'll see my name and say dentist, or they will hear my name and spell out dentist, D E N N I S, and I'm like, you don't know English. Again, have you met Americans? That's true. Do not get me started. Yeah. Every time I hear Dennis now, I think of an old strong bad. When he's Dennis. doing the when, when he's doing the tech, he's talking about the old text adventures. He's like, "You're standing in the cave. On the cave, there is a table with a flask. Your directions are north, south, east, and Dennis." <laughs> it's dumb. Miss Marvel. We all watch right. Shayla. This is true. Yeah, uh, it comes out in June. June eighth. Mm-hmm. June eighth. So that's that's marked on our calendar of things to do. Uh, Aaron, I think you had the strongest feelings about this trailer. Do you still have strong feelings about the trailer? Um, I like the trailer a lot, and I'm excited for the show. I'm curious how they're going to handle their powers. Her powers. Mm-hmm. It looks like she's getting the oh, the, the cosmic bracelets. So um, the bracelet in the comic is an affectation of her own design. It's okay. something from her own culture. Um, I didn't remember that. And to be fair, I only read like the first, I think like 12 issues of Miss Marvel. And not because I didn't enjoy it. It just became one of those books that I just, I think at the time I was working at TIFA, so I was reading everything. Yeah. Um, it, it's one that I have collected over the years and I end up like, with a lot of things, I end up getting an entire year's worth of the the series, and then go through it and read all twelve issues at once. Yeah, um, okay. it, like over the years, it has consistently been still one of the best books that Marvel's putting out. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, the the uh, the wrist bracelet is always only on her left wrist. Um, okay. And it's an affectation of when she designs her own costume, finally. Um, so it looks like that they're using that as the source of her power based on the trailer. Okay. I, so the, the thing I'm curious about, and this may still happen, I don't know. Um, I'm sure someone on Twitter who like knows someone who works in the writer's room has tried to say something. I don't care. Um, whatever. I am curious if her powers allow for her to physically change herself because one of the big like moments for her in the comic is that she can choose to be a white blonde teenage girl as a superhero. Mm -hmm. And at first she's like, she's tempted. She's like, they'll take me seriously. Cops won't pull guns on me. If I look like K 
Captain Marvel, basically, which part of it is her. She loves Captain Marvel. And that's that's totally a, a, a reason. I get it. But another part is her dealing with the fact of like, she, yeah, like she says in the trailer, I'm a brown girl from Jersey. I don't get to do these things. So in the comic, it's a willful choice of like, no, I am. I am a brown girl from Jersey, Um, you know, who has to deal with stuff that, you know, white Protestant kids don't have to deal with. Sure. You know, I'm a, I'm a, yeah. So I, I hope they don't skip over that by just kind of giving her powers being more how we saw it, which look really similar to Captain Marvel's power cosmic stuff. Like visually. Yeah. Like in the comics, she's in a human. So like she got all of her powers because, uh, I think that was during IVX where the inhumans and the X-Men were feuding in Terrigen mists, like it's the- covered the planet. Yeah. And like that's when they discovered, oh, Terrigen Mist not only turned humans into superhumans, but it also apparently kills mutants. Yeah, yeah. So it was, it was a whole thing, and that's that was where she was born out of. There are no like just like Wanda and Pietro. There are no mutants in the MCU, so there's no Inhumans in the MCU either. Not I yet. know they made the TV show, right? It didn't go well. No. <laughs> And even though it does appear like Black Bolt is in the Doctor Strange movie really quickly. Mm-hmm. Or a and, Black Bolt. And I know that, uh, you know, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. had Inhumans. They still haven't had Inhumans in the MCU. Right. So uh, I think it's... Um, I think, that, like, I'm fine with this being the conceit of this is how she's getting powers. Because now they seem to visually match the kinds of powers that Captain Marvel has and that Monica Rambeau has. Yeah. Which makes more sense if you're going to have them be the Marvels of the Marvel universe. Right. Um, I do agree with your point. I would like them to keep a lot of the cultural identity stuff in there because that's important. That is definitely part of uh, her character. Yeah. Um, for the rest of it, I'm just going to let them let it play out. I did really enjoy the trailer and she does seem to have the sass that the character in the comic has. I like her daydreaming animated bubbles that go on. Yes, very much so. The, um, the affectation of getting to see a character's, thoughts or hear their internal monologue almost as though it was another character is one of my favorite things in in tv and film Mm. i don't know why i enjoy it so much but i also kind of like it when they um not as much but when they um text balloons Mm -hmm. when characters Mm -hmm. are texting with each other and you get the balloons on screen I like yeah. that mostly because it's easier to read than trying to just showing <laughs> us the phone and trying to read it. I'm like, oh, on on screen, their phone on on yeah. camera, yeah. Like, bitch, I'm watching that on TV. I can't see. Right. <laughs> it's like I'm. Don't not you know I need theater. reading glasses? Don't most people at this point? Aren't you, aren't you know we're getting we're becoming the old, so we can't do this anymore. I mean, I'm not. I don't need reading glasses. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> just being a dick now. Um, yeah, it looks good. Um, I like that they haven't shown even if there is some kind of big bad. I mean, the big bad could just be society. 
mm-hmm. which is a perfectly acceptable big bad right now, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a great teaser. Like it has me interested. Uh, she looks great. Uh, the, the actress playing her looks fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just pretty cool. Um, and, you know, again, I keep feeling like this is still just leading up to the Young Avengers we're going to get one day, which has me excited. <laughs> you know, we're getting closer. Uh, yep. The next one to be introduced is America Chavez. And that's in May mm-hmm. for it's Multiverse. Yeah, I'm so excited for that. <laughs> yep. I, ju- I just... Oh, is uh, she coming out in... Is, is, is the Multiverse coming out before the Marvels? Yeah. Yes. Marvels is next year, I think. Okay. Yeah, the next uh, the next shows that are coming up this year it's um, it's Moon Knight, which is next week. Um, <laughs> man, that show looks insane. Yeah. Yeah, the trailer yeah, for that one. Whew. Like every everything I've seen, it's like nope. This just gets more nuts and gives me less information every time they show a trailer. It's like yeah. I don't, I don't know what's going on. Um. Which is great because I don't want to know. Uh, other than that, we get Mister Knight as well as Moon Knight. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's Moon Knight, and then Ms. Marvel, and then sometime later this year is She Hulk. Oh, that's right. Weird. I thought yeah. She Hulk was earlier this year, but it's it's apparently later. It still doesn't have a release date. I I think there's there's one more. Oh, maybe it's the is there the second season of What If is probably in there too uh yeah that that would track yeah that makes sense wait so is that um that means multiverse is the only movie we're getting beyond spider-man no way home this year right is that well no way home was last year oh my god yeah it it just sat it was just in the theaters that long yeah it was in december um, no, I mean, we get Thor, now. Love, it's and Thunder. Oh, shit, that's right. Yeah, yeah we get yeah. Love and Thunder. That's why there's a Lego set out for it already. Right, right, right. Thank you. The goat boat. The goat boat. <laughs> I cannot wait to buy that set. Um, <laughs> I did I did just order the Multiverse of Madness Lego set uh, with Gargantos, and mm-hmm. it has Wong and uh, Doctor Strange in America. Sorry, I need to do this real quick. No Way Home is available on streaming everywhere as of the 15th. So people have had about a week. Wong is the motherfucking Sorcerer Supreme. Yes, because yes, because Steven fucked it up. I've been sitting on that since I saw that in the theater. <laughs> that changes everything. That changes his appearance in Shang Chi. Uh-huh. That changes his appearance in in it, like it everything everything that we've like that changes his appearance in Endgame. Everything that he was doing, he was doing as the Sorcerer Supreme. Well, wait, and still is. Would he have been the Sorcerer Supreme in Endgame? Oh yeah, yes. because because Strange blipped out. He's been the Sorcerer Supreme for the five years of the blip. That's right. Okay, I yeah, I, and and since mm-hmm. and since, so that's 
every time, like when he goes off in No Way Home, it's like, wait, if you're the source of the Supreme, what the fuck are you off doing? What was he doing? <laughs> I think he was training other people. I mean, I think that's I think why so he's, too. you know, teaching the abomination how to fight without being, you know, a murderous monster. But also that means the Sorcerer Supreme is participating in illegal cage fights in Macau. It's pretty tight. With a gamma irradiated human with powers that's supposed to be in prison. Again, I, pretty sweet. I mean, I it, have I have no no notes. I I love like I love that tiny reveal, but that tiny reveal was wait wait back up. This this changes the storyline. This changes the thread. It wasn't Wong was doing a favor to Doctor Strange and brought Shang Chi and Katie into the Marvel universe. No, that was the Sorcerer Supreme bringing that those two into the Avengers. That's what just happened. So yeah, it, it, or, or 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 the Agents of Atlas. I'm mm -hmm. I'm gonna be pulling for that movie forever. <laughs> that would be great. Uh, Norm says that uh, early reviews uh, on Moon Knight are calling it one of the better Marvel shows. Um, I mean, I'm pretty excited for it. I don't know shit about Moon Knight, but um, and you put Oscar Isaacs in something, and I'm fucking there for it. But it it, it just seems like a really interesting character, and that's why I want to get some reading done uh, before that comes out. Forgot it's coming out in a week. Yeah, um, you, you have till next Wednesday. Balls. Uh, and that was the other part of it is that, is that Oscar Isaac is in another universe acting wise. And I'm like, he we knew that. Still on by we Disney. Fu yeah. We fucking knew that. Yeah. Oh, uh, the. It, I haven't verified this, but apparently he was uh, quoted as saying, uh, like when asked about the whole Disney don't say gay bill in Florida. He's like, oh, I guess my official response is gay, 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 gay. Also, Disney should get the fuck behind this and kill that as much as possible. Mm, gay, gay, yeah, gay, he gay, gay. He reportedly began to sing. <laughs> okay. Of course he did. Yes. Like. Uh, yeah, I guess my comment it starts to sing gay, 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 gay. I do appreciate him as an actor. I, I've loved the things that uh, I've loved his performances and the things that I've seen him in. I also appreciate that as a human being, he gives no fucks and uses his platform. Yeah. It's kind of weird. He is one of the performers. Cause people are like, well, don't make the mouse angry. Cause you could lose a job. And he's like, eh. <laughs> you know, they're like, would you ever come back as Poe Dameron? He's like, no, he loathed the rise of Skywalker. Like he had a miserable time. Apparently a lot of people had a miserable time making that movie. They all did. Yeah. Um, well, so. Oscar Isaacs has had a lot of, he's done a lot of work. He was already famous before Disney slash Marvel wanted anything to do with him. Yeah. So, you know, he, he doesn't have to give a shit. Yeah. Uh, we watched, just last night, we watched the new Ryan Reynolds movie, uh, The Adam Project. Mm. And it's got Ryan Reynolds. Um, oh, my God. You know, Bruce Banner, now I'm going to blank on his name. Mark Ruffalo. Mark, Mark Ruffalo. Ruffalo. And... Uh, Zoe Saldana, right? Zoe Saldana, yes. And I was like, look at all these Marvel folks doing other stuff. Yeah. And, then I, and then I was like... 
No, just kidding. All of them were actually famous before they became Marvel mm-hmm. stars. Yeah. Um, and I, I, that's not super true of of everybody. I mean, Jennifer yeah. Garner is also in it. She's famous and has never been in a Marvel movie. Oh, no, that's not true. She has. <laughs> Isn't yeah. she Electra? Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I was thinking about that too, but I'm like, yeah, but nobody liked that movie. So does it even count? Oh, that's because it's a bad movie. It's a bad um, movie. Um, it, it's, it's, uh, it's worse than the Affleck Daredevil, but still better than Catwoman. Yes. I would also, well. Yeah. So it's so not better. Saying, so, go ahead. So we're saying so Catwoman, Electra, Daredevil? Yeah. Oh, see. If, <sighs> I'm going to go with that because I could at least tolerate, like, I could stomach Daredevil all the way through. And I know I've seen it at least once. I'm not sure that I ever did finish watching Electra despite multiple tries. Yeah, I would go Catwoman, Ghost Rider, Electra. Oh, Ghost Rider. Ghost Rider is good for only one scene. And it's literally the scene with the motorcycle and the horse as spirits of vengeance. It's a 20 second shot. Now, the second Ghost Rider movie is pretty tight. It's still yeah. dumb. Yeah, but it's Ghost way Rider, more enjoyable. Ghost Rider 2 is higher. Yeah, that's oh, yeah. true. Yeah, no yeah. fool. Yeah, no joke there. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, because I do believe Ghost Rider 2 has the scene where the spirit of vengeance like possesses a large machine and pees fire. I remember. I think so. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> You're saying that's the one redeeming scene in the film? No, that's just a scene. Okay. Yeah, that's in Ghost Rider 2. Yeah. But well, Ghost Rider 2 also has Idris Elba. It does. Yeah. Oh, did not know that. Yeah. Uh, Fire Cow is talking about how it's is mentioning that Batman versus Superman: Dawn of Justice is the worst superhero film. But I think right now we were strictly talking about Marvel films. No, Catwoman is no, not Catwoman a Marvel is movie. Marvel. Oh no, you're right. Okay, well then, yeah, throw. I I haven't watched uh, Dawn of Justice, so I I can't say. I think at some point I will. Watch it just so I know whether or not it's better I, than or worse than Catwoman. I mean, it's, it's, right? after a certain point, it is just a grab bag of shit, right? Yeah, like, I like, will. Like, you're just like splitting hairs on which one is worse versus another. Yeah, I will. Cable, when you get around to it, watch the director's cut. It's like fucking forty minutes longer, but it also makes the movie make at least a bit more sense. Um. Yeah. The huh. My thing is like, and then we really got to like move on. Um, my thing is mm-hmm. I can never call any Zack Snyder superhero film the worst ever. If only because from a visual standpoint, like he shoots pretty films. He doesn't know how humans work, but he shoots films that are very pretty to look at as taken as like little vignettes. Um, oh yeah, I like I hate Man of Steel, but I don't think it's an awful movie. Yeah, he's also helped by having performers that really really care about the characters even if he doesn't mm-hmm. quite get them. Mm. Yep. I think with Catwoman, it was it was poorly directed, poorly edited, poorly acted. Um everybody phoned it in. It was 
like it is technically terrible and performance wise terrible story wise terrible that sharon stone is the villain with like the unbreakable skin or some weird shit yes yeah like she was some it the origin they gave her it's like so you're like a weird version of clayface essentially (laughs) yeah yeah like well it was Halle Berry and Sharon Stone. That should not have failed. And it did poorly. Poorly. Mm-hmm. Well, should we jump into yeah. Avatar? I'm a fan of Halle Berry as an actor. No, we were skipping Avatar. Avatar is the, the, the dessert. We're doing Discovery. Oh, we shit. All right. Of <clears throat> I completely uh, heard you incorrectly, and I apologize. That's all right. I, uh, I'm also... Oh, go ahead. I... I I don't remember. Go ahead. Sorry, I just had something weird come across that I didn't realize. I didn't. Sorry, it'll derail a little bit. But I didn't realize that John Favreau is a consulting producer on the Orville. We probably knew that at the time, but it was you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. At the point, like when yeah. it first came out. Yeah. All right. That's all. Um. So, season four of Discovery covered a lot of ground. Had a mid-season break. Um, I think we talked about a lot of the first half as it was going on and then just kind of took the second half as a one big chunk so we could talk about it at the end. But yeah. the, the yeah. gist of it was there's this giant space anomaly that eats up space and destroys and could potentially destroy planets that just shows up and then disappears and then shows up somewhere else and the Federation has no idea what it is. Nobody in the Alpha Quadrant, Beta Quadrant, or Gamma Quadrant didn't even know what the hell it was. So they went, well, maybe we ought to go find out. And they did. And they turned out to be an alien species from another galaxy. They were split on how to do it. One half wanted to go, hey, let's go make friends. The other half was like, nah, fuck this. Let's go blow them up. Right. And that's pretty mm-hmm. much where we jumped into the second half of the season. Yeah. And even though I will always side on the, you know, let's try diplomacy. I, You couldn't fault the people that were like, no. Let's fucking blow it up. Like, they're going to kill us. And they don't even know we exist. It's it's a not uncommon... um, Like... like, when, When a problem like this occurs, it's kind of always split pretty evenly with two people who are like, no, 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 we have to figure out the a logical, reasonable way to work this out and the people who are afraid and want to take action based on that fear. And and neither of those... It, it, it's it's not unreasonable to, to feel that way. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe a bit... Um, what's the word? Short-sighted. Right. Um, if, if something comes at me and has the ability to destroy an entire <clears throat> planet... Um, what makes me think that I can take it on straight, straight on and, and win? I'm like, I'm probably just going to get myself destroyed too. And then anyone in the vicinity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that was part of the point um, was that they, they wanted to show that sometimes that, there have to be other approaches other than using violence. But to Aaron's point, and I, I do agree with this, they did a 
very good job of showcasing that the people who wanted to take the traditional high road and use diplomacy were the people who were not directly affected by the horrors of having a planet destroyed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think that that was very important because that was also showing it's like, yes, all of this is great. Maybe you should also be paying attention to what the people who have gone through the trauma are also saying, which was ended up being part of the thesis um, in this final episode. Yeah, this one, <clears throat> this whole season really, I mean, every year, every season Discovery kind of deals with heavier themes, I think, than Star Trek as a rule deals with when it's week to week. Yep. Um, Denise's desk is so loud. I know. Sorry. Sorry. We have to give you soft fidget toys for the show. I think we just have to be more engaging so that... Yeah, you know, we have to just quit being... I'm boring. listening. So, she, so, so that she's less bored. I'm not bored. <laughs> I'm listening. But I also have a, have a thing. You have a thing. Please continue. That's all right. <laughs> well, I kind of lost my train of thought now. Uh, oh, it, it, It's been dealing with issues than it normally does when it's a week-to-week show. Yeah, and season four is... Uh, Season four, I feel like more than season three, feels like the results of an entire writer's room and cast and crew who have had to live through, like, COVID restrictions for the last two years. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot of, like, how the fuck do we rebuild? And, oh, look, writers are in the middle of rebuilding. Here comes another fucking crisis that can threaten the whole galaxy. And, boy, are we tired of this. We just... We just want to get by. Like we just want to rebuild right now. But no, I guess we got to save the universe again. I just got it cleaned up in here. <laughs> yeah, now you've gone and knocked the plants over again. I, I, I just, I, I wanted to take a nap and watch my stories. Yeah, yeah. Um, I do, I do appreciate that there wasn't a big bad. I was really worried that species C ten was going to be a big bad. Um, because that gets old. I was honestly hoping, like, I'm glad they went the direction they did. I did. I was hoping early on when they first introduced the uh, the DMA. Is that what they were calling? It? Mm-hmm. I forget what, like the the something something anomaly. Yeah, dark matter anomaly. Dark matter. Yeah, anomaly. that's it. Okay. Yeah. Uh. I wanted that to be a naturally occurring phenomenon that was caused by space whales or, you know, <laughs> crystalline entities or something like some yeah, okay. thing that happens naturally. And it's like, oh, well, that's why it's random because it's or it's moving in targeted locations. It's because where this thing goes. But that's not an intelligent being. We can't <laughs> reason with that. Right. So let's find a different solution. And I appreciate that 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 the uh, species 10C was not only um, an intelligent uh, species, but uh, one that was clearly more evolved than, than uh, any of the races in the Federation. Um, but they were also empathic, like the, that they showed how much uh, empathy it needs to be counted when taking into um <clears throat> sentient life forms 
Yeah. It's like, it's not just intelligence. It's also emotional intelligence. Yeah. Which is something that Trek hasn't really done when they encounter creatures that are so much more advanced than us. Mm-hmm. Because that's how you get cues or um, the orga- the, Arganian- the Organians, which I guess they kind of help us out. But you get a lot of omnipotent creatures that are like, you could not possibly understand our needs. You are like the, the ant to the human. Whatever. And this race was like, oh, man, I'm bad. I've been saying it since the very first iteration of Trekucation. Yeah. This the the hyper the omnipotent uh, in an all knowing space creatures are all dicks. They're all just smug assholes. I mean, I guess that's what happens when you begin to learn and do whatever you want. You just become an ass. Yeah, I mean, like they're not wrong in knowing that we're like vastly inferior to them, but you're not gonna be a dick about it, man. <laughs> which the Tennessee weren't. Which yeah. I appreciate. And they don't come across as they're omnipotent beings. No. They are just more advanced. Mm-hmm. Um, I also love the fact that they are wholly unhuman. Oh, yeah. there is yeah. nothing yeah. about this that's remotely humanoid. I'm trying to, I, I don't know of another example where it's just, again, aside from like, you know, space sticks at a magic door or. You know the fucking doomsday machine. That's just a, just like a gaping maw of destruction, which so yeah, we really don't have. That, yeah, the the doomsday machine is literally a weapon of war. It's not. It's not a sentient creature. Right. It's a, yeah. It was a leftover war machine. Yeah. Um, I like that. Once Tennessee. When it was even once Tensi was like once Tensi was told like that fear you had, the reason you had to leave your home, you're doing that to every single sentient creature your power source comes in contact to. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know the the very thing that has driven you to do this and has limited the size of your species to where you're barely hanging on, you're doing that to us. By the way, um we're we're terrified and then that was that perfect moment of right as 10c begins to understand you know book and you know what's his name shoot back tarka tarka um which i mean i it's one of the things like you know is coming like you know this is you're gonna have that dramatic moment but it it still didn't stop it from being like a really well constructed moment even though you Mm -hmm. knew it was coming it was like okay the, the real question is going to be how do they get themselves out of this, not how do they stop the attack from happening. That attack was going to happen. Mm-hmm. That was Chekhov's anti-proton bomb back in episode six or whatever, you know? <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, I think that the... Uh, I, I do think that book had to be there. Um, like, my big guess was... By the end of the season, based on all of the actions the book has taken, it's like you cannot bring him back to the Federation. You cannot have him have a happy ending with Michael. It's like, yes, you have shown that people can love each other and disagree and still continue to love each other by acknowledging those disagreements make them individual people. Um, but from a narrative standpoint, it's like you you can't you can't give them the happy ending because... 
like, well, I'm not advocating for prison because I don't advocate for prisons. Like mm. that was not the direction book story should have gone. And, and I'm like, I think an effective way to end this for book would be he stays with the 10 C to teach them how to not be horrible. Um, so him getting to have that big speech of like, what you are proposing to do is not good enough. What you actually have to do is this level of change <clears throat> yeah. because the change that you're proposing still causes damage. This cannot, it like you're either going to be killing people directly or indirectly. Neither one of those is okay. Um, yeah. And I also like the fact that like everyone in that diplomatic corps, including like Michael and Saru, seemed okay with species 10C picking places that didn't have sentient life. Mm -hmm. Which means 10C gets to decide like, well, yeah, this planet has life, but it's just, you know. Is it sentient? Yeah. It's fish. Is it sentient? Are they really thinking? Nah, I can wipe them out. And Book is like, no, son, you can't do that. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, um, and I, I think that was an important speech, not only for, for, for the crux of the thesis that that uh, discovery was trying to make this season but also for him like he says it himself it's like i heard my own voice when i was talking about the tendency and realized oh i have to go fix the things that i fucked up yeah <laughs> i left a toxic trail of waste <laughs> in my wake doing what i thought was right i need to go fix that um but everyone in the Federation needed to hear that. Everyone who's not part of the Federation needed to hear that. And the viewers at home also desperately needed to hear that. Um, like yeah. our, our fiction is trying to teach us how to be better people. And we're not, I don't know that we're paying attention. <laughs> I, I, I am glad that, book i mean who knows what happens in season five but i'm glad that discovery this season didn't end with book being back on the discovery and he and michael cozying up mm -hmm. um part of it is because star trek has this really bad habit of not having long-term or longer-term ramifications for main characters who do things that are that are wrong that yeah mm -hmm. you know like Auburn picard you know Girardi's you know, she still has a job and I get that maybe she's being influenced, but like she, you know, killed the dude. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But yeah, it all, it's all good though. You know, let's go ahead and just put you on a ship, you know, every, it's fine. Um, you know, Trek has a long habit of doing that. In fact, I think the only time that didn't really happen was on DS9 when Cassidy Yates got busted for slugging for the Maquis and, you know, she's like, I'll not take it back. And Disco's like, I wouldn't ask you to, but you're going to jail. She's like, I'll see you when I get out. And he's like, yes, you will. I love you. But, you know, because it's like Cisco doesn't really, he doesn't really dis disagree with what Cassidy's doing, but he works for an organization that does. And, you know, I love you, sweetie. I'll see you when you get out, <laughs> you know. Which, Which is, is hypocritical because he breaks some pretty major <clears throat> rules as well. Uh, but he decides it's for the greater good. The greater good. The greater good. And he doesn't get caught. 
I always got the impression that Cisco tended to turn a blind eye to whenever Cassidy. And in fact, I get the impression that if you were trying to help people barely trying to get by and survive, Cisco had no problem being like, do, 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 do. but if you get caught, your hands kind of forced kind mm-hmm. of thing. Tied, I think you mean. That's what I meant. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. You, yeah. Once, as, as, as long as no one knows what you're doing. That's fine, but if if you get caught, I can't. Yeah, it's defend you. I can't protect you. It's like how in Pale Moonlight, fucking Garrick knew that fake wasn't gonna cut it. So Garrick knew from day one. Oh, I'm gonna have to fucking kill this senator. It's the only way this works. It's a fake. God, I love that episode. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah. Um, with with all the mirroring. Speaking of. The esteemed Captain Cisco, with all the mirroring and hints that this season did of Deep Space Nine, when they went in, when the Ten C opened a wormhole back to the Alpha Quadrant, I'm yeah. like, I was 100% ready for Captain Cisco to show up on the bridge of the Discovery. <laughs> I know, and the thing and is that if Avery, went, if Avery Brooks was in good health. I could say that's a possibility, but he just isn't. Yeah, and then what do you do? Do you fucking recast Benjamin Sisko? Ugh. Ugh. I, I mean, thought I was, I had some similar vibes uh, during Picard. Um, which I, I haven't seen yet. Oh, then we can't. Yeah, I'm, I'm behind. Well, I apologize. I, I, no, I, I would struggle to describe what scene I was thinking of anywhere, like at what moment uh, I was thinking it. But there was a point where I was like, are they going to fucking put Cisco in here right now? Um, I don't like like you said, like he's not in good health, so he doesn't appear in anything. He's like, yeah, and I don't I don't know how fans would react to like hiring an actor and then doing like the CGI hiring someone who looks like a younger the deep fake. Avery Brooks and Doing then kind a deep of fake deep fake on it. Yeah. Like, I don't know how well that would go over. Like, that's a hard sell for people. Um, but it's it's flat out the same timeline. This doesn't give me a way cable, but in the, one of the early opening moments of episode two of Picard or whatever, like, they mentioned the cards from the DS9 episode from past tense. The yeah, identification episode cards. three, you mean. Or three, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Yeah, no, I already know that uh, 2024 is the year of the Bell Riots. That's, like, yeah. been the big thing. As soon as they said, we're going to 2024, like, in the trailer, I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. You've That's already why got, I went back and watched those episodes. Like, you, you've already got Starfleet officers in that time period. <laughs> in San Francisco. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, anyway, on the Discovery front, uh, can we... Can we take a fun little little jaunt uh, into sure. fucking uh, Saru and Tarina? Oh man, getting that, uh, getting that, getting that that Kelpian and Vulcan love on. I, oh my god, like two fucking introverts, just the weirdest, <laughs> awkwardest. Uh, I really appreciate um, them giving like giving Michael a love interest. That makes sense. Like they do that with captains all the time, but like, you know, out of all of those episodes, Spock had like one episode where he actively hit on a woman. (sighs) That was the cloud minders. Do you remember that? 
Yeah, well, where she like the woman walks in and says, "Oh, I've never before met a Vulcan," and he says, "Nor have I a work of art." And even Kirk looks at him like, "Oh, that's oh. right. Yeah, what did I you just say?" That. I remember that. <laughs> yeah, I was also thinking the the planet with the spores, where that's technically still Spock, but his emotions have been, you know. Yeah, no, this was, was this was the Spock that we know and love was unbelievably slick. Anyway. Yeah. So it it's nice to see this um, come about with Saru and uh, mm-hmm. President Tarina makes total sense. It's like yeah, they're they're, they're very well. They, the actors also have very good chemistry together on screen. Like mm-hmm. I like watching them; they're fun. Yeah, yeah they they really sell this like quiet but respectful budding romance. Oh yeah, it's like remains yeah. of the day, but in space. Yeah, <laughs> like we we know of it. We know of basically what maybe there are technically two dates they have. Like one's like, would you would you like to like? There's one that's join me for tea. Mm-hmm. Another is, can you show me that ritual again for finding peace? Mm-hmm. And I think their final date is at the end of Discovery, where Saru's like, look at my flowers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so proper and wonderful. It's all great. Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm happy about that. Uh, did anyone else have a small panic attack when Detmer volunteered to fly the shuttle in, in on a suicide mission? Yes, <laughs> I was like, "Don't you dare!" She stood up and said that, and I'm like, "Nah, it's not going to be you. Someone else on the bridge has to go. I know it's not going to be you. Oh, of course, it's the general because she needs to make up for what she did." Yeah, right. but. And then she they, still got to live, which was important. I felt that was very important. Yeah, this did feel like for the characters a very consequence free in the end. Like sort of. Eh. I, I think the I think what what they were trying to get across, to me anyway, is that you can still make yes, you can make horrible decisions. That's not the end of your story. Yeah. And it shouldn't be. Um. Again, this is I think the the meta conversation of the show is like we have all had it rough and we have all been on one side or the other, and neither one of them has been one hundred percent right or one hundred percent wrong. We all need to get on the same fucking page. Yeah. No. That's and true. If you, yeah. And if you feel like you've made more mistakes, there's time to to you know make up for it, and it doesn't mean that you're done. Um, the other reason why I would have been heartbroken if Detmer had died in the mm-hmm. show is that means we would not get any more of the incredibly cute but awkward uh, Adira, like having oh, some hero, having some hero worship of Detmer. Right. Like you're 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 cool. Because <laughs> someone told me like, oh, it's kind of weird, you know. Like Adira is very young, and that seems awkward to be hitting on Detmer. I was like. They're not hitting on her. It's no, They're, it's not romantic. Adira's no, it's total already. See, and, and it's total hero where she's like, "Oh, or they're like, you're you're awesome." That's that I thought it was camp. incredibly charming. Yeah, it was. It, it, but that's that same. The people that think that, that Adira is trying to hit on Detmer is the same people who are like, "Oh, clearly, oh, and Detmer in a relationship." I'm like, not every relationship that involves love has to be romantic, right? Like. Detmer and Owe are like the best of friends. Mm-hmm. They clearly love each other and care for each other 
they're not in a romantic relationship. Yeah. And they both like, have positions on the bridge that damn near require them to be telepathic of each other. Yes. Like you have to know that person so well. Yeah, there there is an intrinsic bond that happens there professionally, so it's it all makes sense. It it works together. Like mm-hmm. you probably wouldn't even know which came first. Like they're like hardcore friendship or that like powerful work bond that they have because mm-hmm. of what they do together. Yeah. Professionally. I mean, I get why people say that because this is actually a very much a choice that has been mentioned by the showrunner of Discovery. Like the the queer signaling on Discovery is not a subtle signal. It is a bright fucking rainbow light that says, Look at us, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, so, there was a there was a, a magazine and I'm not gonna remember which one it was. It might have been like out, out. Oh, thank yeah. you. And um it's basically like sixty percent of the cast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to think who's not LGBTQ in that cast at this point. Uh, Suniko Martin Green, mm-hmm. at least as we know. I mean, uh, that yeah, yeah that we're aware of. Yeah. Um, Book. David Ajala. David Ajala, yeah. Uh, the woman maybe, who plays maybe, the Woshiku. Maybe Grudge. <laughs> we don't know. Grudge that. do what Grudge won't. And also, I can't be mad at uh, at Sack for this. He said that scene was adorable. Yeah, yeah that's pretty good. good. That's pretty good. That's good. Yep. All uh, I I am gonna hate. Uh, oh, where to go about the arm flaps? So I think it's a wash. Sack. <laughs> All right. Um, it still blows me away how Doug Jones walks in that suit. Mm-hmm. I know it's so fluid. <clears throat> oh my god! Also. I mean, how can we not bring up one of the best, like, cameo castings of all time? Ah, yeah, I was waiting and for that. And how it enraged Ted Cruz. <laughs> well, fuck That's him. the best yeah. part. That fuck is that the guy. best part of it. That's the second yeah. best part. The best part is Stacey Abrams actually being on Star Trek. Yeah. Um, I don't understand, like, where people are getting this. It's like, oh, this is just stunt casting. You know, Trek never does this. Like, Trek does this shit all the time. Have all you never time. watched Star Trek? Have you watched the show? Yeah. Uh, uh, my biggest tweet ever was from when I did those nine pictures. It's got, like, 7,000 ridiculous likes now or something. <laughs> um, that's so what I was like, hey, if you all like this, check out Season the Bruja, March 30th. Um, Good job. Man, thanks. I was excited when I got, like... 300 likes the other day this is the biggest one i've ever had that's kind of bonkers no it was like 600 because i was like holy shit i don't even know that many people you're like bean has made it (laughs) way to to one up me you're welcome sorry way to go (laughs) um well i think the main complaint i've been hearing from idiots and that's just what i'll say (laughs) idiots is that it doesn't seem right that someone who is a standing politician should have that large of a whatever presence on a, on a show like that. And I'm like, you know, they're not forbidden from doing other jobs. What do you mean that large of a presence on a show like that? What does that mean? She's running for governor. So they're thinking that this gives her up. It gives her an unjust leg up on her opponents, which is the most ridiculous statement ever. Um, That's stupid. We all know the real reason why people are saying it. Yes, they don't. They have a fear of a black female president. Star Trek does like to predict the future. Um, I, I mean, I got excited for the the social aspect, and there is a social aspect to Stacey Abrams playing the president of Earth in the future. Mm-hmm. 
But honestly, I, I respect her work. I love her work. I've supported her campaigns as best I can. But I also know that she's a huge nerd. And I think my initial like, oh, shit, was because she got to do that thing that like every fan has ever dreamed of. Like, oh, my God, they offered me a little tiny part in Star Trek. That that legitimately, that's what I was happy about at first. I was like, oh, Stacey Abrams, that's so cool. You got to live a dream. And then I was like, oh, wait, this is also a really socially important movement, too. But fuck, yeah, that's cool. You know, that was that was my gut reaction to it. Yep. Uh, I, I do have to admit, I did not recognize her on site. I, I say I haven't seen her face that many times. That's fair. But, uh, uh, yeah, I, I don't... I, I, just, I can't imagine a, an argument that someone can throw about her being on the show that is that is valid. There's not. You know, and... I didn't want to, I didn't go into it too much, but my only reply to the person, I only responded like one person who brought the political angle. And I was like, dude, you know what? There has been the same sitting president or Senator who has been in every single Batman movie. What? So I don't remember his name and he might still be a Senator. Okay. So remember in the dark night, the Joker is in Wayne tower and he's threatening all the rich people. Cause he's throwing the thing for Harvey Dent, the fundraiser. Mm-hmm. And Joker goes up to that one guy, that old man, because the old man says, we don't respond to people who make threats. And he's like, oh, you don't, do you? That's a senator. Mm-hmm. And he has been in almost every Batman movie because he loves Batman and he's a senator. And he's like, can I be in your Batman movie? And they're like, sure, senator. And I don't and I don't he may be retired now or whatever. And I don't I, I speak from ignorance. I don't know his positions. I don't know a lot about him. And I do know that of all the perks that senators use while they're in office, getting to be in a Batman movie is the lowest on my list of problematic things they do. Uh, Scott in the chat says that it's uh, Patrick Leahy. Okay. He probably is a piece of crap. I mean, he's an ancient white man. Yeah, I mean... Oh, he's a senator from Vermont. He's the Democratic senator from Vermont. And... Look, that's what that's what I mean. That's what I'm saying. Well, the point though. is, like, nobody said nobody said shit about that. Nobody said shit about it. No, and you know, and I know that uh... the the fucking admiral in Hunt for Red October, you know, uh-huh. he was a senator or a congressman. Yeah, no one gave no one gave them shit. I remember when AOC went to the uh, what was it, the Met Gala, mm-hmm. and like threw a fit about like, oh, that's like a five thousand dollar plate party plus the dress blah 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 I'm like well hey that's not how it works right and if I remember correctly the Met Gala is considered even though it's got a lot of pomp and circumstance I do believe uh, city or district representatives are invited for free because of the the status of the Met it's a weird yeah sure. basically she didn't buy a ticket to go no well, I think the I think the I think what was established was is I I wouldn't know for sure, but what I remember reading is that like mostly designers buy tickets to those events because they want to have someone wear their garments to the event. So like, look, right. I'll buy your ticket, just wear my dress. It is right. it's specifically for the Met Museum. It is a fundraising event for their Costume Institute. <clears throat> Which is why it's such a big deal for designers. 
it is yeah. yeah the it encourages the rich and famous to wear outrageous costumes and yeah. show off that's that's the whole point of it it is a fundraising event so you want that's why it's expensive because you know we don't want to pay government money to fund these things we want billionaire philanthropists to pay into it because they get tax write-offs for it not that i have other opinions about this but <laughs> it shouldn't be yeah the military yeah. should have fundraisers schools and, shouldn't yes and quick side note Leahy has been in six batman movies wow <laughs> That's he wasn't in the Batman true. because of COVID, and he literally said, I had too much to do in Congress to be in the Batman. And he apparently donates all his fees and everything he gets paid to Vermont charities, so whatever. Oh, I'm good for him. Yeah, it's fine. They should be allowed to do that rather than sell stock while they're serving in Congress. You could be in all the fucking movies you want. You shouldn't be allowed to play the stock market when you're in Congress. There nope. you go. I think, that's, I think that's a fair trade-off. Yeah. Well, I look forward to season five of Discovery. Um, Me too. I think when when season two of Picard wraps, we will give our thoughts on that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I also that, like that season four just kind of ended. It didn't end on a dun dun dun. What's coming next? It just it, it did feel a little anticlimactic because we are so used to these like big bads and there's a big battle and you know, all of that, but it, everything ended on a, on a good, but also realistic and or realistic note. Like the thing with book where he, you know, he has consequences. Mm -hmm. It's because they did that four episodes ago. The, the big bad. The, the, uh, before they went out in the galaxy, they're out of the galaxy and into the new galaxy. They had the meeting with Kovach, David Cronenberg. And they're all sitting around the table talking about what they're going to go do. Mm-hmm. And Kovach, who is clearly the expert in these matters, it's like, however you think the meeting with 10C is going to go, you're wrong. However you think that uh, communication with them is going to be, you're wrong. Um, whatever you think about this species, you're wrong. All of it. All of it is wrong. Um, that's the only guarantee i can give you and he's like you know we can do this we can do this and this is what the delegation has to be and this doctor is going with you and he'll be great and everyone just kind of stops and goes i'm sorry you're the expert why are you not going with us he's like because i have other things to attend to i'm too important i'm wondering and and everyone in the room went what are you doing that is more pressing than (laughs) an intergalactic species destroying our galaxy and his response was, pray you never find out, and left the table. <laughs> Do you think he's a Q? I don't. I don't think he's a Q. I think he's actually doing something that is another threat. Well, because go back and watch that. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say that um, the communications officer, Bryce, Commander Bryce, who's normally on the bridge that has been replaced by Lieutenant Christopher for most of this season. Mm -hmm. When we have seen him, they did mention that he's been working with Kovach and he can't talk about what he's doing. There's something else going on. And also, I rewatched part of the season, that scene with him. Mm -hmm. 
Kovach is fiddling with a communicator on the table. It's a Picard era communicator. Fuck. It's the arrowhead with the two bars behind mm-hmm. it. Uh... Yeah. Yeah. I I love I like I don't I don't know how I've managed to enjoy Star Trek this long and this far without it having either David Cronenberg or Tig Notaro in it. <laughs> yeah. Because I love both of these editions. Yeah. Tig was great, by the way. She didn't I, I was starting to feel like she didn't have a lot of airtime in this in this season. And um, I guess they were just saving her for this final arc. Yeah. And yep. She, I really enjoy her. Uh, I love that she still admits that she has no idea what she's saying half the time. <laughs> it's all gibberish anyway. Yeah. The 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 true you know that's that part's acting. The part that's all Tig is her snacking all the time. It has to be. <laughs> yeah. I'm famished. Um, you can get me some food. <laughs> Um. Well, yeah, it's 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 for for however much she wants to like complain or like sort of like apologize for it, she still sells the shit out of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I think my my favorite bit in America's convinced she she's like that was ad libbed and everyone went with it is her last communication to uh, Stamets in engineering where she's like, all right, Bobcat. <laughs> and, and everyone else just kind of goes bobcat <laughs> their reactions felt very i tig just made that up i think anthony rap had maybe hinted at the fact that that was actually ad-libbed uh because i thought i read somewhere on twitter where he said something like the problem is that that nickname is sticking in real life <laughs> i don't know why but i think it really works mm-hmm I don't mm-hmm. do not ask me why, but it just feels right. Uh, uh, because Tig said it. Maybe that's that's <clears throat> Tig said it, and so it shall be. Yeah. Well, should we jump into Avatar so we can give it some some time? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Uh, while we do that, I'm going to pop these open. Okay. Um, and try to eat them while we're while we're reviewing. Well, Avatar. if you don't mind vamping, I need to get water so bad my throat's killing me. I'm sorry. Certainly. In fact, this is a good time for us to take a break. Acha-cha-cha-cha. Well, like Cable said, this is a great spot for us to take a break and thank our sponsors. First up, we have Bridge City Comics, 3725 North Mississippi Avenue in Portland, Oregon. They are simply one of Portland's greatest comic book shops and they have every genre you can possibly think of you know as i've said before comics are not all just superheroes and whatnot they uh you know they run the gamut of genres uh including you know mexican folklore characters that take place in portland oregon just no shame at all uh yeah other great thing about you know bridge comics is that michael and the whole crew down there have always been a huge supporter of independent creators creator owned you know small press and zines in fact they have a locals only section um, as soon as you walk into Bridge City Comics, look to your left, there's a bookshelf there with just smaller press from local creators, as well as, you know, larger creators who live in the area, though, like highlighting folks like, you know, Kelly Sue DeConnick's work or or David Walker, or Matt Fraction, Greg Rucka. Like, they all kind of have their own little section, you know, within Bridge City Comics, as well as, you know, finding their titles with the regular graphic novels and stuff like that. But that is just one of the main great things about Bridge City Comics is their appreciation and love for local creators 
uh, as is their focus on all ages and young readers, too. They have entire sections dedicated to young readers for all genres, and they even have a pretty cool spinner rack. So, you know, if you find yourself, you know, missing the days of going through the spinner rack and getting your funny books, Bridge City Comics can help you recreate that days for yourself and all the future generations. So check them out. Bridge City Comics, or also find them online at bridgecitycomics.com. And then before, well, no, actually, we got one more after this one, but, you know, we know what I'm talking about. Uh, Guardian Games is the weird way that I'm getting to here. Guardian Games, they have been our longest sponsor, 345 Southeast Taylor Street in Portland, Oregon. Like I said, all through the month of March, they are highlighting women creators, designers, and artists within the gaming industry, be it, you know, card games or dice games or board games or, or whatever, um, they are highlighting women that have tried, who have created some of your favorite games you have played and some of your favorite art from the games you have played. Um, so yeah, check them out. 345 Southeast Taylor Street in Portland, Oregon. We also have some exciting news about Guardian Games coming up that we can't talk about, but keep listening to the show and we will review it, reveal, <laughs> reveal it in due time. And then before we get back to the show, uh, shout out to Revnats of Revnats Hard Cider, who has been making us, who is making it easier for us to record separately during the pandemic. Revnat, strong supporter of the community, and also makes some damn tasty ciders. So yeah, check them out. Revnats Hard Cider. And with that, let's get back to the show. We'll be, we'll okay, be right yeah, back. Go, like not go, long. Go, yeah. Will Vamp, you go get water. That was just your, you know. So that he right, can put right. the the ad in. None of, none of this will be in the recording. Oh, I'm sure it will be. Uh, well, then it's not really a break, is it? No, remember he has been doing that so that he can put commercials in? Right. That but... That's all that, that is. He will also leave all of this in because it, he'll go, oh, this is funny. This is what, this is what listeners want. So I don't, I don't know what anyone wants anymore. I'm so out of the loop anymore. Oh God, these do smell like hot tamales. This is insane. Oh, uh, I'm so jealous right now. They they just sound delicious. Like I can I can taste the, them in my brain. The the filling too is also very pink. So it's it's not just it's uh, saturated. Yep, it's probably cinnamon flavored marshmallow cream. Oh, uh, I want. I'm gonna. You know what? I gotta get dinner after this, so maybe I'll just go to the store, like just like buy up all the cinnamon hot tamale peeps. Norm, I'm half white. It's fine. How are they? Because I like hot tamales, so they're good. If you want, if you want to hurt yourself with candy, I'm disappointed that that my mouth is not on fire right now. Aww. It has all of the flavor of the hot tamales without the heat. Either that or I've been eating a lot more spicy foods and I've gotten used to them. That does happen. For sure. That's a little depressing. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) It's been my secret thing of like, I've been making spicier foods. Largely because if I immediately can't taste it, then I'm like, oh, I've got the COVID. So, which I don't because yeah. this still has flavor. I, I realize eh, eh, it could also be asymptomatic, but we weren't, we weren't going to go there. Avatar. Mm-hmm. Avatar. 
All right. So since you're eating peeps, I do have the synopsis here. If the, if you like, go for it. Yeah. Oh, oh wait, no, that's, that's we did so 16, cool. 17 and 18. Yes. So episode 16 is called the deserter. Mm -hmm. uh, after accidentally revealing his status as the avatar at a festival, Aang is brought to Zhang Zhang, a firebending master who rejected the fire nation. Um, Zhang Zhang initially refuses to teach Aang firebending, but concedes after he has a vision from Avatar Roku. Um, during the training, uh, Aang accidentally burns Katara, uh, but she then finds out that she is able to cure herself with water healing abilities that she didn't realize she had. Um, meanwhile, Aang is feeling really guilty, and he says he's never going to firebend again, but then Admiral Zap Zhao shows up and is ready to burn it all down, and then they have to face off against each other. Um, luckily, Aang learned from uh, Master Zhang Zhang that Admiral Zhao, you know, when he was first learning to be a firebender, uh, had like zero self restraint or control. He's just about burning shit down, and so Aang is able to use that to his advantage. This episode for me started off as a kind of a goofy caper episode, um, mm -hmm. but I definitely enjoyed where it went. Um, and uh, since we get another uh, bender, bending master in a later episode, and this kind of gives us what an actual bender of any of these elements can do and understands about their element. Um, and I think that uh, Master Jean Jean, with uh, his understanding of what it means to be a firebender, it's like, this is fantastic. Like, all of that dialogue where he's talking about, it's like, you don't understand. It's like water bending, air bending, earth bending, all of that. There is something useful in it. It's like fire just destroys. That's mm -hmm. what it does. Yeah. And it that does not need nature. to be controlled in order to do its thing. Mm -mm. Like it was just... it a, a boulder it does not is not going to throw itself at someone. Mm -mm. It has to be yeah. bent to do so. But a fire a fire will will fucking come after you it's, without your help. It's the only one of the elements that almost seems alive on its own. Mm -hmm. right. um, and I feel like that he really got that point across. Um, not only just within the episode, but to the viewers. Um, and we, I think this is the, f this is actually the second time we get to see Aang be a student. And, you know, the first time is Katara trying to teach him what she knows about water bending. Mm -hmm. And now him trying to learn fire bending. Aang is a horrible student. He is a pain in the ass. <laughs> he, well, he's, he's also like 11 years old. It's he's 12. Okay. Well, all right. It's close enough. Like he, like he's, he's an, he's an annoying little fuck when it, if you were trying to train him this, um, and I, I get that. Yeah. It's cause he's 12, but wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but on the, I, I guess at, at, at the very least, he he does understand uh, how to be contrite when he fucks up. Mm -hmm. So there, so there's that. Like he he does not fail to realize that his 
actions have consequences, he just doesn't always stop to consider what those might be before he takes the actions. Mm-hmm. He's, he's impatient. He's, uh, and I mean, I, I don't think that it's necessarily only to do with the fact that he's a kid. I think that he feels the pressure of being the avatar and the fact that shit has been going bad for the past hundred years that he bailed out on. And so he's just really driven to become, you know, a, a fully fledged avatar and is not really considering how, like how these things take time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's just like, I got to do this. I have to be ready show me the thing. I don't have time to like do it the slow way. Just teach me how to throw some fireballs, dude. <laughs> right. Although to be fair, he doesn't have time. Right. That's He's true. He's got six months um, before the comet returns. <laughs> and everything goes sideways. The thing I actually really appreciated is that, you know, so Master Zhang doesn't, um, I don't think he really makes his point well, like, you know, and the, the thing that got Aang to, like, slow the fuck down, but almost an overcorrecting kind of way, was that he injured someone. And so rather mm-hmm. than, like, learning to respect fire, he's like, I'm never going to fire bend again. Um, I think the thing that really taught him the lesson that Master Zhang was trying to bring across was the fight with Zhao, because now he gets a chance to see, like, oh, this is why Master Xiong didn't want me to do it this way, like why he has a a method, because this guy is supposed to be super powerful and I beat him doing nothing. Like he Mm -hmm. fucked himself over because of his impatience. Now he understands the importance of taking it slow. I, I really like Admiral Zhao as a medium foil. Like he is... A genuine threat. He's not an idiot. He's a competent, competent person who, like, has brown nosed his way to the top, but he's been fairly ruthless about it. So I like that he's not just a joke. Um, because clearly that fight, like, if Ang hadn't, if, if Ang had tried to fight him directly, he would have lost that fight. Um, but like like you were saying, um, him learning, it's like, oh, this is exactly what he was trying to teach, you know, the master was trying to teach me. The, that fight goes the way it did. But I do appreciate that Admiral Zhao is a genuine threat. So it, every time when he does beat him, it feels really good. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because he's just such an arrogant prick. He really is. Yeah. Uh, again, kudos to Jason Isaacs. Jason Isaacs has really made a... He's just so good. He's so good at being so horrible. <laughs> when he's when he's given a villain to play, he's like, done. I am in it to make you hate me. It's like, yeah, I, your yes. characters are vile. You are a fantastic actor. Here's some beer. Yeah. Have a beer. Let me buy you lunch. <laughs> but don't get angry at me because it's terrifying. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, any other thoughts about this particular episode? Uh, I mean, my main thought was like, 
was Ang's reaction to at first thinking that firebending was was cool, and then the horror of realizing that it's not simple and that it's fucking dangerous. Um, we like I feel like we've seen him scared before, mm-hmm. but this one his his failure here seems to hit home on him a lot harder. Yeah, this is on par with. Uh... Like his fear in this was on par with his fear of when he clearly screwed up and almost lost uh, Soka and Katara. Yeah. To mm-hmm. go questing for their father. Yeah. Um, cool. Like he doesn't, uh, those are the, like he's afraid for things that he's afraid of losing people. He's afraid of losing connections. Um, he's not afraid of anything else <laughs> as he is want to like l- leap before looking yeah he's, right. he's he's usually almost playful in the face of adversaries but mm-hmm. it's it's you know it's when he thought he was going to be taken away from his um his i don't know like his teacher his direct supervisor guy uh back at the temple mm-hmm. back when that's what set all of this off yep and i i wonder yeah. if I wonder if like that there's a specific reason why he reacts so strongly to that, you know, being so young and if, and if so, are we going to, are we going to learn more about that? Probably. Yeah. We'll see how seasons two and three go. Right. Um, episode 17. Do you have a synopsis for that one, Bean? I don't because I had to pull, I had to pull them up uh, <laughs> or pull, I, I had to pull up the first one. Um, to you do it. Uh, the 17, I, I, I don't even remember the title of this one. I know, um, I went blank on it. Uh, I do uh, have the title. It is the Northern Air yes, Temple. That's, that's right. right. The Northern Air Temple starring Odo. Um, <laughs> Rene Auberginois plays uh, is a voice in this episode. Um, the Northern Air Temple um, is where they stop on their way to the uh, Northern Water Tribe. And much to everyone's surprised there are people living in it which ang suspected that everyone would have been dead just like the southern air temple but these are not airbenders they are not monks they are refugees that have moved in and the head of the refugees is a master inventor um and has been improving or has been making the monastery livable for people who don't know how to airbend um which at first, really pisses Aang off. <laughs> but uh, when they realize that the, the Fire Nation is encroaching, they all kind of come together, and and it's a it's an interesting it's an interesting episode. It, yeah, it makes an, go ahead. It kind of plays as a one and done, also. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I feel like this episode really shines with the visual aspects of it. It's interesting to see, you know, how like offended Aang is at first until he's kind of made to realize that, you know, why they are the way they are, you know, what was required to keep them going. Mm-hmm. And it's a good little reminder that like, yeah, you're an airbender, but, you know, have a little bit of humility. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, not everybody in this world has is able to bend elements. Right. right. I, the reason that there are so many 
in the Fire Nation has to do again with this comet that's it caused an imbalance. Um, but speaking of the Fire Nation, uh, that entire action sequence was pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, just beautifully rendered. Because um, again, like it's my first time coming to this, so I scenes that I think people are like. Well, yeah, everyone knows that's a cool scene. Well, I don't. You know, like Ang is like flipping tank after tank, and then. Because I'm watching it, I'm like, oh, hell yeah. And then that one just fucking writes itself. I'm like, oh, shit. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, that was crazy. That's I don't really cool. understand how it how it's... Uh, they they really kind of like glossed over how those work, even though it was talking yeah. about how they work is how they beat them ultimately. <laughs> because the like, I think the the insinuation is that they were has some sort of gyroscope in them, and that that's it, powered with water. The, um, there is some there is water in the mechanism, which a water bender could then exploit as a weakness. I see, but then it seemed to me like what Katara did was just water bend. Uh, the snow and ice that was already on the mountain to sort of like block and flip, like push them around. So I don't know. That one felt a little clunky to me. Which I guess we get more of an explanation. Well, not explanation, but we get more examples of in the episode that follows this, which is water bending also includes forms of water that are not liquid. Yeah, we can kind of roll into it too. I guess I so, didn't realize that that hadn't that hadn't been established yet. I I don't think it had. Like, not to the extent, and we get that definitely in the next episode, which is the water bending master. And this is the heroes finally arrive at the North Pole, but for Katara, the trip may have been in vain, as Master Paku refuses to teach girls water bending. Uh, this is definitely a. Uh, outdated gender role episode in in that these particular yeah. gender roles are outdated and should be changed um yeah, most of it is that they're all welcomed into the water tribe there's a there's a there's a leader there's a princess you know soka very expectedly falls in love with the princess <laughs> um but the 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 jewel of this episode is Katara learning that the waterbending master won't teach her anything because it's against their culture. Right. And even Aang trying to teach her surreptitiously is an affront to them. They're only good for using their waterbending for healing. She's – when she's presented with the opportunity, it's like – we will continue to teach the avatar so that he can learn water bending, but you have to apologize. Her take is, you know what? Fuck you outside now. Yeah. <clears throat> Cause the guy won't stop being a smug asshole. Like that, that character like was really laying it on thick. Um... And, and I, I think that that was to prove the point to the viewer to, that, this is not okay. None of this is okay. Right. And when you're presented with this, it is perfectly acceptable to go, nope, I'm you not don't doing get, it. You don't deserve an apology. Right. Even if it means Aang isn't going to get 
what he came here for. But that, yep. that's you have to draw a line somewhere. Yep. I think that like, yeah. essentially that guy was abusing his power by like saying, like, I can I can say and do whatever I want because you need me. Mm-hmm. Um, I also appreciate that she also went into that fight knowing I'm going to lose. I yes. don't care. That was my yeah. favorite part. Like she knew she would lose because she doesn't have any real training. And yet she fucking gave it her all. And she's actually quite good at it. Yeah. That was the other thing. It's like, oh yeah, I don't, I don't know what I It's like. I need a waterbender to teach me. Teach you what? Those were some advanced fighting skills, kid. <laughs> yeah. There was a moment where I, I thought maybe she would win the fight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, she definitely got up every single time she was knocked down. Um, but yeah, this is also where we see that water bending includes being able to freeze and unfreeze water rapidly and then still control it while it's frozen. Yeah. So, which makes sense. That uh, terrifies me. Like, are they, are they going to, um, what does that say about steam? vapor like just like uh i think you know like the physics you know say we're good to go mm-hmm. um same reason why they had to tweak uh create or destroy water spell in D when people realized that druids could desiccate an opponent like that <laughs> they're like oh we should we should reword this spell a bit <laughs> yep Ugly uh, bags and- of mostly water. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's why I don't drink water anymore. Um, there you go. Only booze for me from now on. After this, um, the, so the B plot of this episode. Let's talk about that. Oh yeah, uh, Soka and the princess. Um, Oh no! I was oh, I was thinking B-plot? that's the C plot. The B plot is oh, Admiral oh, Zhao taking all of Zuko's crew and uh, from his ship because once again he is pulling all available resources to come after Aang for, for whatever reason. He knows uh, this week that uh, Aang and his friends have made their way up to the Northern Water Tribe, so they're. He's taking everyone and everything, and they're going to go up there. Uh, and so now, largely because he knows that the water tribe is not to be trifled with. It's like, oh, well, if we're going up there, we can't go with a standard platoon. We can't go with even double, double our standard platoon. We have to bring everything because they fight back. That <laughs> makes sense. We're fire, sure. but they're water <laughs> in an entire area where there's nothing we can set on fire. <laughs> That's true. Their whole their whole their whole village is made of ice, which yep. is pretty cool. Um, but that means that now Zuko is on his own and just kind of hanging out. But the the key thing that happens here is when Zhao comes to be a dick about taking his crew, uh, he sees in Zuko's room that he's got these two swords hanging uh, on the wall. And immediately recognizes them as the weapons that the masked lurker, I, I forget what his actual name the was. The blue spirit. The blue spirit uh, was where, uh, where, was using where the day that he, that, uh, he took uh, Aang and got him out of their fortress. And so now, because he suspects Zuko, he puts a hit out on him. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, I think they were some of the same pirates from that episode a, a while back. They were the exact same pirates. Uh, they uh, decide to pull off this job by blowing up Zuko's ship when he's the only one on it. Uh, but, uh, spoilers, he survived that explosion and, uh, and is now going to infiltrate, uh, Zhao's fleet as they are on their way to the Northern tribe. Mm -hmm. Uh, you're right. I have forgotten about this plot, um, (laughs) which is probably the more important one of the, well, it's the second most important, uh, Largely because I think this is the beginning of the uh, character arc for Zuko that anyone and everyone who's watched this show says that Zuko's story is the most important story in all of Avatar. Or it's their favorite or it's, you know, Mm -hmm. it's so poignant. So what we've seen so far of Zuko is that he was he does believe in fairness. He does believe in there is a right and a wrong. Um, he doesn't believe that life is, uh, worthless. Um, like he believes in the lives of the people of the fire nation. And well, he's very obsessed about getting the avatar. He's, I, I think he's beginning to question why and what he's actually after. Um, and now this hit from Zhao, like, I, I like that, uh, clearly, uh, Uncle Iroh and, 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 uh, Zuko understand. It's like, no, Zhao is, Zhao's trying to kill me. <laughs> I think the best thing I can do is be dead until we can do the same to him. <laughs> Again, <laughs> like, Zhao is not, um, he's an intimidating foe. He's still a minor boss, but he's not a stupid foe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, he could he would be a lot more dangerous if he, you know, had a little more patience or care and in restraint. his craft. Yep. Mm-hmm. Restraint. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't. He's, his ambition outweighs his, uh, his restraint. Um, so the next two episodes are a two-parter, which is why I reshuffled and cut us off here because I figured the next two episodes are going to be a lot to talk about. Yeah, we might want to break them up like do two each week instead of four. Um, Well, at least for at least for these next two. Yeah. So I think it always depends. Like if there are four happy-go-lucky episodes, eh, if we can breeze through them. Like it was easier to breeze through a lot of the earlier episodes where it's like, yeah, this is fun. Yeah, okay. Yeah, they're, they're goofy it's, kids. It's like as DS9 goes on, mm-hmm. it gets harder to do arcs, yep. like short right. reviews of arcs. So I was hoping that we would be through Avatar by the end of June. We might not be. <laughs> so yeah, we'll see. Plus, we we're, still, we're still on track, but we'll see. Next week, I might greedily take a big chunk of the episode since, I think season, you should. Of Bruja, since season of Bruja drops next week. Yes, yes, it does. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, we're... back the day the show gets uploaded. Uh, go to your comic book shops and buy it, please. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's 
that's, that's not to like I'm at the point now, like order it. It's like you either ordered it or you didn't. And if you didn't, hopefully the shops have it mm-hmm. or you can get it online. So, but is, is there going to be a second printing? I cannot confirm or deny that. I see. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, hope, hopefully. Who knows? Maybe you should, maybe the, the readers out there should just go get a copy when it comes out. Yes. That would be the safest bet. That would be a really good idea. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I can say more next week. Yep. Of things. But yeah. Yeah. I I think that, I think we've kind of allotted for you to just talk about (laughs) this next week and maybe do a little avatar. Yeah. And I might be able to actually show a comic, like show an issue live on Tuesday, even though it doesn't Ah. drop until Wednesday. I mean, abstention. I mean, theoretically, I have comps coming to me, <laughs> but we're a week out. I don't know when comps normally show up. Um, Sooner than this? Yeah, never. Sometimes. Yeah. Um, Under normal circumstances, which these right. are not. Uh, thanks, Bex. Uh, there's also a slight chance I might be like recording this show from a comic book shop, signing a ton of them for something else that's happening next week. Uh, Yes. Uh, anyone uh, who follows Rev Nat on Instagram might have gotten a little hint. So, mm. or if you get his newsletter, I, I, I do both. Yeah, I'm like, don't I do both of those things? Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that, that's all I can say on that too. I mean, but there's oh. there's clues. Okay. Well, we sh- we should end on the vague then. Yes, I guess. That sounds great. I guess so. Okay, well, with that, I'm Aaron Duran. I was going to be like, spooky, but it wasn't spooky. It was just fake. Not a spooky episode. It's too late to change it now. I'm regular levels of spook, Beanerita. I am absolutely horrifying Cable Hoshitani. There you go. We will talk to uh, Fire Cow. Maybe I would do that. That could be fun. Do a reading rainbow style. <laughs> hold it up to the camera. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, good night, everybody. We'll talk to you all next week. Good night. <laughs>